So I want to do something silly, give away a trip to Rush, because tonight's topic is heavy. It's big. It affects every one of us in this room. If you're over the age of, I don't know, 12, it affects you. This topic's the number one cause of divorce. This topic's the most taught or most spoke about topic in the entire Bible. Jesus taught more about this than he did heaven or hell. It's money. Let's just do some little math. When, when I was in high school, I loved math. I was a, was a math nerd. If you make $30,000 from the time you are 25 until you're age 65, it's your working lifetime, you will make $1.2 million, right? Well, that's going to define us, as most would say, as rich, right? And that's 30000 You make 60000 you double that. You make 120, you double that. Like, anyway, we are blessed in this country. So let's turn to James chapter 5. And it's verse 1. It says, Come now, ye rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. What? Like, that, that doesn't sound good right off the bat. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. Man, aren't you glad you came to Reckless tonight? Right? I mean, it's just so good. Behold the wages of the treasure in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields with you kept back by fraud or crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived in, on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. All right, it's big, pretty pressure. The question is, if we look at it, what is a rich person? You're probably thinking, like, I don't have a job. That 30,000 number seems like way, way, way out there. How many of y'all have a job? You babysit, you walk a dog, you, you cut grass, you do chores around your house, you clock in at Chick-fil-A, you work at Burger King, you're at Walmart, Target, whatever the store. Who has a job? Who makes some money? That's almost all of y'all. Did you know, if you make $55 a week, you are in the richest half of the planet. That's $55 a week. A long time ago, I used to umpire softball games. I made 15 bucks a game, did four of them, that's six of them. Man, I'm crushing it. Now, this is a statistic we can take out that you have stay-at-home moms, you have babies, you have people that don't work, that don't make anything, they're on dis and they're all in that number two, but you're still making more than half of them. You look around, you're like, man, I'm rich. You take that up to $100 a week, you're in the top 68% of all the people in the world. Now that, look here, you rich people, it's starting to hit us home, right? Like, wow, if I look at the entire world, I'm in 10th grade, I'm in 11th grade, I'm rich globally. In America, no, probably not, you're probably struggling. But the Bible wasn't written to Americans, it was written to everybody. So now what? What do we do? What do we do with this? We've already read the, the warning of this is what's going to happen if you're rich and all this. You know what? Man, I'm moving to the middle of nowhere and I'm not going to make a dime. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think we look at it and we take that pressure that we've been talking about and we handle it the right way. 
So there's main truths about money. Number one, God owns it all. He owns everything. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your stuff. He made it all. If he wanted it all, he would take it. There's not really anything we could do about it. Then he's called us to manage it. If he owns it all, he's put us here. It's our job to take what comes into us and disperse it, do what we think God wants us to do. And the last thing is, there's only four things you can do with money. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the four things that we can do with money, okay? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that it still speaks to us. We thank you that even when it looks hard that we live in America and that we are so rich and all these bad things might happen, that the rest of your word teaches us principles. And these principles are still true. And these principles honor you. Open up our eyes and our ears to see your word new, that we can listen, and then we can walk out of here applying it to our lives. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thing number one you can do with money. So you can make it. You can earn it. You can go get a job. But you have to do something. Sometimes we look at earning money as, oh, they're hosing somebody. They're so crooked. But what if we turn that? What if we looked at it as every time you make money, you were serving somebody? It's a different way to look at it, right? Let's pretend I opened a restaurant. And I sold hamburgers. And they were $10. And you came and you ate one. I made $10. I'm still pretty poor if I only served you. If you go and tell somebody, and then y'all both come the next week, now I sell two hamburgers, that's 20. And just keep going, and I serve more people. More people are getting a hamburger. More people are enjoying themselves. That number grows, right? Eventually, you're McDonald's, and you have like over like 60 trillion, million, million, trillion hamburgers sold. And it all grows. A few weeks ago, Todd gave out the cards about what are you feeling pressure with? And most of y'all were like, what am I going to do? Which college am I going to go to? Right? I mean, college equals what we're going to do. What we're going to do equals who we're going to serve. Who we're going to serve equals how much money that comes in. And we feel that pressure. I'm going to give y'all the press release. You ready? Lean in. It doesn't really matter what you do or where you go. It matters how you do it. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were doing it for the Lord rather than people. No matter what your job, no matter what you do, it matters how you do it. You don't look at it as, Oh, I hate my job so much. Oh, that customer. Oh, did you hear what they said? They're like, man, this is an opportunity that I get to serve somebody. Sometimes we have to practice that. We have to develop a, a muscle. It's my little three-pound dumbbell. Now, man, three pounds is nothing. You do this long enough and develop it, your arm will like be jello. So, tonight we're going to talk about developing our muscles. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. 
you work hard, good things happen. I want to say like God looks down and goes, there's someone that's doing what I want them to do. I've wired them this way, and they're doing what I want them to do. They're serving people. Those people are happy. They're paying them, and then they're doing the rest of the stuff. It's going to lead to prosperity. It might not be money, but you're going to be happier. Those that take shortcuts usually go bankrupt. How many of y'all heard of, uh, what was it, FTX? Like the, the cryptocurrency where they were trying to buy things to get rich quick, and it went bankrupt. All those people lost all their money. So you don't take the shortcut. So thing number one that we can do is we can make it. After we make our money, then we have to decide, God, what do you want me to do with this? I already said that if you just make 30000 from 25 to 65, that's $1.2 million. So what, what do we do then? We've made it. We've served people. We think we know what God wants us to do. Then what? Thing number two that we can do. This is one that gets talked about a lot. We can give it. And we can feel the pressure of, ooh, who do I give it to? What cost do I give it to? How, how much is enough to give? And what if we changed it? What if we said, how generous can I be without any rules on who I give it to? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. You get to decide. How much do you want to give? You make 10 bucks. Do you give a dollar? Do you give $20? Can't give more than you make. How much do you want to give? Be generous. It says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You really need to do this. Your parents tell you, hey, you made some money. You need to go give. 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 You need to go. And you're like, get off my back. It says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So we go back to our example of if I sold one hamburger at $10 and I said, you know what? $10 is really good. I'm going to give, I don't know, a dollar of it away. Best place to give it as a believer, as a Christ follower is at our church. So we say, God, how generous can I be giving here to our Nicaragua fund so that we can take this and then go do something else with it? It's also the hardest one to do. Because if we don't get this in order, if we don't decide first, like it says, it says, decide in your heart how much you're going to give. So that applies if you make $10, $100, 1000 100000 you go sign an NFL deal and make $14 million. You decided first. You didn't wait till it came in and goes, oh, how much is left? I only got a dollar left. You said, no, God, first thing I'm going to do when you give me money from all the people that you put in my life to serve, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to be outrageously generous. And then you get to see what else God does with it. So the first thing that we can do with money is we can earn it. The second thing we can do with money is give it. The third thing we can do with money is save it. So we're going in order here, right? Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Proverbs 13.22 says, Good people leave an inheritance to their, girl, to their grandchildren. How many of y'all ever had a bad thing happen to you? A few? Okay. The rest of y'all give it time. The very first bad thing I remember happened to me, I was a freshman in college, and I had this nice Silverado, it's a truck, and I was like, 
I'm going to go mudding. Never been mudding. This sounds fun. Our worship pastor's son had a bronco. And we're like, hey, what can go wrong here? Well, I stuck it in the middle of this mud pit, had to get towed out, and my car didn't work. I asked my wife, hey, my, my truck doesn't work. And said, well, how are you going to fix that? If I would have had savings, I could have lessened my stupidity, right? You get in a car wreck, laptops die, you drop your cell phone and you get a crack in it, you take your money and it changes your, oh my goodness, my life is over, it's to an inconvenience. You take some of your savings and you go, hey, I'm just going to go fix my screen. I'm going to fix my car. I'm going to do this. And then you save your money back. The other thing that we do is we invest it long term. I know y'all don't believe this, but one day you're going to be old like me and Todd and Ken and all of our others. And there's this word called, I don't know if I can say it. Y'all don't even know what it means. Called retirement. Right? If you start saving ahead with whatever number that you pick to do, when you become 40, 50, 60, your life looks a lot different. You have wealth, you have money. Maybe by then you're the one that's, hey, I gotta go with the next group of teenagers to Nicaragua. Cool, rush camp, I'm there. I, I have enough money, I'm gonna go. It's, it's fine, I'm gonna take the week off. I tell our small group guys all the time that I need them to get it, because I have a one and a three year old that will eventually be up here, and I need somebody to teach them because they're not gonna listen to me. Same thing, I need y'all to get it so y'all can be their rush leader when they go to rush. All right, so the first thing we can do is we can make money. The second thing we can do is we can save it. The third thing we can do is give it. I got those backwards. And then the last thing is we can spend it. I'm really good at this one. I mean, I think my spiritual gift is how much money can I spend the fastest? My wife's spiritual gift is she can collect lint and coupons and never go out and do anything. And God said, I'm gonna put y'all together because you'll be living under the bridge and she won't have any fun. So 1 Timothy 6.17 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives for our enjoyment. I have trouble believing that God made the Grand Canyon, that he made the Mediterranean, that he made Egypt with the pyramids, and he made Aruba, and he made Australia, and he made New Zealand. First go, cool God, that's really good they did it, but I can't go. I think God wants you to enjoy your stuff. He doesn't want your stuff to own you, but he wants you to enjoy things. The pressure relief of this, or the pressure is, Man, that, that Tesla looked really sweet. Man, I would love a Tesla. I don't think I could do the $90,000 one, but like maybe if there's like a used, like $10,000 one, like maybe that would be sweet. That'd be cool. Or in September, Apple releases a new one every single year. And most of us are like, I gotta have it, it's so pretty. It's a phone. Like it's so shiny. And all it's gonna be, it's gonna have a little bit better camera, it's gonna have a little bit faster thing, and it's gonna be a little bit faster. And we'll go, oop, here's my iPhone 14. I need the iPhone 15. Next year we'll do the same thing. And we just spend it on stuff. Another one is like we do experiences really, really good. If we spend all of our time with that, we're not saving, we're not giving, 
When we spend too much, then we go backwards. We spend that $20 and we only made $10. Now we're in a whole nother mess that we won't even get to. When we don't spend everything that we make, we have margin in our lives. We have more to give. We have more to save. We have more to see the single mom with the kids that are struggling. Hey, I'm going to buy your Waffle House tonight. Have more to tip when we go out places because we're not consuming everything that we do. We're also not not doing things. And go play, play sports with your friends. Go to a movie with the girls. Go to a nice restaurant and tip outrageously and enjoy your time because that's why you work. We don't work, so we just have all this stuff. Sometimes though, and I've seen this in my life, is when things are going really, 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 really good, I'm like, God, I got you, I'm checking out. I'm gonna do my own thing. I know, I read enough of this stuff. I just gotta do this, this, and this. And then God goes, you know, you still need me, you still need me, you still need me. No, come back, come back, come back. And then something happens, okay, God, I'm back. We can think that we're self-reliant. We're Americans, you grab your bootstraps, you pull yourself up, you got it. But there's some things that only God can do. And the second part of James, it talks about prayer. It says, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. St. Augustine said, we have to work like it all depends on you. Like everything that needs to be accomplished in this world, only you can do it. You have to work that hard. But then you have to pray like, you can't do any of it. You pray and pray and pray and pray for the sick to get healed. You pray and pray and pray for your friends to accept Christ. You pray and pray and pray for whatever that job that you think you need to do is. And then you marry them together. You take the prayer of the stuff that only God could do. You take the strong work with the whatever that God laid on your heart. And you see what you can do in this world. Let's just go back to the example. And I say, I sold a hamburger, $10. I took a dollar. I gave it to the Nicaragua stuff. I took another dollar. I saved it. I didn't spend all of my rest of the eight, and I was able to give a little bit more generous here. And I said, oh my God, I have this one. I'm going to go to Nicaragua. And we're going to go. We're going to see this money that all of us gave, and we're going to see what God can do. We could take all the money and go and not pray at all for the trip, and God's probably not going to move. We could also go the other end and we could just pray for the trip, pray for the trip, pray for the trip, and then nobody signed up to go. Nobody gave their money, nobody did anything. It's hard to dig a well if there's no resource to dig the well, right? It gets heavy. It gets really heavy. Sometimes it gets too heavy for us, and we need to talk to those that God's put in our lives. That's why we have small groups. That's why God gave us parents. That's why God's put spiritual people in our life like we talked about last week. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Say, you know, mom, dad, you know, I graduate in May. I really don't know what I need to do. 
What do you think I'm good at? That's, that's a tough one. I could tell right now my three-year-old, he's going to be one or two things. Either going to be a singer or he's going to be a terrorist because he was sent here to kill me. <laughs> so my daughter, on the other hand, is so kind and so sweet. She's going to be a teacher. I know it right now. Because when she gets, it's like, Dad, let me show you how to do this. I'm like, Maggie, I know how to do that. I went to third grade. He's like, no, no, no. You did it the old way. This is the new way. She's going to be a teacher. She might not be. She might change. But if she asks me in nine years, like, what do you think I'm good at? You go, Mom, where do I need to go to school? I've been praying about it. I, I don't know. Listen to what they say. Believe it or not, your parents want what's best for you. Jesus talked about if we who give want to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does God want to give to us? Your parents do love you. They do want what's best. They've probably been praying for you since you were inside your mom's stomach. Because they love you. God loves you. God's blessed us that we live where we live. He's blessed us with desires, thoughts, the new idea of the job that's not even around right now. I mean, think about it. Amazon that we buy all of our stuff on came out like when I was in high school. So what's gonna, what are one of y'all gonna create? So let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that money is just a tool. It's a tool that we can give. It's a tool that we can save. It's a tool that we can enjoy what you've created. We can go on that trip. We can go to that restaurant. We can hang out with that friend. But God, you also want us to be plugged into you and to ask, like, what do you want us to do? What need can I meet? Who is hurting that, that needs to be served? And when you think about that perspective, we look at it, being rich in, is not the curse that it says in James. It's a blessing. It's a big responsibility. We love you, and we can't wait to see what you do in our lives. We're proud of us in Jesus' name. Amen.